<laughs> it's alive! It's alive! My podcast is finally going live. It's, uh, it's taken me about three years to overcome uh, the anxiety that had been preventing me from doing it and coming up with good ideas and deciding maybe good ideas aren't necessary for a podcast. But you know what? The anxiety is it's gone, Ken. I'm completely cured. <laughs> it's okay, Richard. It's going to be fine. It's just a podcast, and we're going to have fun with it. Yes. So I'm definitely having fun with it. This is Richard Doom. Hi. Welcome to my podcast, Hold No Heroes, with Richard Doom. Today, we have guest Ken Culver. Can I use your last name? Is it okay if I identify you? That's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought that much about. Yeah. Depending on what we're going to talk about, I'm going to bleep out your last name. Well, the truth of the matter Maybe is... Maybe your first name. Who knows? <laughs> Depends on what we say. So the fun thing is, I don't actually give a shit what people think about me, so I'm not that concerned. Okay. Well, that makes one of us. So, uh... So, Richard Doom and Ken Culver, here we go. Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, episode one of the podcast Hold No Heroes. Now... What is Hold No Heroes? Hold No Heroes is an expression that I use frequently. What it means is, it is, uh, don't... Uh, lionize people. Hold No Heroes, the um, uh, principle that I try to live my life by uh, and that I try to advocate other people towards is living towards uh, principles. If you like people, figure out why it is you like them. What principles do they uphold and stand for and live their life by? Um, but um, don't hang your hat on whether they succeed or fail. Lord knows a whole bunch of people are very upset about finding out that uh, Dr. Huxtable is maybe not a really good person in real life. Yeah. The idea that Huxtable was not a real character. Um, the reason we tell stories in the first place is to either edify things that we believe need to be edified or to challenge things that we need to be challenged. That's why we have characters, narratives, everything like that. You know, the whole point of Hold No Heroes and the whole point of the podcast will be talking about things that are important in the real life, specifically politics, but maybe political, philosophical, is going to be looking at those things through the lens of um, popular culture, uh, generally speaking, nerdy culture. Uh, Ooh, nerdy culture. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big comic book nerd. Um, yes, he is. Uh, I also enjoy the various other uh, fandoms, uh, Star Trek, anime, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know what? I even enjoyed a Aaron Sorkin show or two, and don't get me wrong, I know why he sucks. But um, That's fair. Yeah. The point is, the point of the podcast is going to be looking at the things that we like about certain fandoms, characters, ideas in those universes, and hoping to maybe glean some kind of real-world application out of it. The, the The reason why I want to do this podcast is, ultimately, for selfish reasons, I need a creative outlet, and this is the stuff that interests me. Nerd shit, political shit, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. The other reasons why I believe that this is going to be a good idea is because, um, one... I believe that nerd spaces, there's a huge conversation going on right now about whether politics should even be in nerd spaces, whether politics should even be in art. Um, it's not a serious conversation because most of us know that it should be. And it, and it always, always has, has been. been. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The thing that we're grappling with these days with Comicsgate, Gamergate, shit like that, 
is that we have now a generation of people who grew up in nerdy spaces believing that the politics was there by coincidence. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby went ahead and created a whole bunch of these characters uh, that just so happened to be the first black character, the first African-American character, the first black superheroine. And they're just like, yeah, that doesn't interest us. That was just something they did. I'm like, no. They both were on record saying that those were things that they did in order to make their comic books look more like real life, which had, guess what, people of color in them. Crazy. Yeah. And um, politics has always been a part of art, and usually art has been the avenue by which politics has been described. Um, I mean, dear Lord, Captain America. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, everybody's able to go ahead and read Captain America and think, oh, there was no politics involved in this. I mean, the most famous cover of him is punching like Adolf Hitler in the fucking jaw and knocking his ass out. Yeah, so, it's kind of hard to say that comic books don't have, or didn't have politics involved when you have a character that literally was just what if america was just a superhero yeah it's it's ridiculous and but it is it's gone unexamined for so long that we just have a lot of the people who are making comic books and art and nerd stuff today grew up believing that that political vein was accidental or coincidental or just um not worth examining so they believe that okay well i'm gonna make it now i grew up with it now i'm old enough and i'm in the industry i'm gonna go ahead and make it and i'm gonna go ahead and create it devoid of politics but nothing is ever devoid of politics oh yeah everyone has their own skew regardless as good as you want to be exactly you will have a skew and it's a problem we've had since long before i existed absolutely that's that's the thing these guys who believe that they're making apolitical art are just valorizing American empire, are uh, going ahead and uh, saluting the cops, talking about uh, anti-immigrant stuff, white supremacy, like stuff that they believe is unexamined, apolitical stuff, which is inherently political. Nothing exists in a vacuum, especially our art. Our art is expression. It is creativity. Well, yeah. I mean, it's if you deal when you're dealing with the concepts of comic books, and you talked about you talked about Marvel as it was coming out yeah. and talking about that they were trying to make it inclusive to everyone who actually exists in the world. Mm-hmm. If you have stuff now where people are going, oh, I don't know why we have to have this race yeah. being represented, that is being political. They might not see it that way because to them, they live in their own little bubble where they're like, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But by not bringing in those other races, those other genders, those other anything... You are being political. You're just not noticing because your head is, well, not in the best place. Yeah. It is my endeavor to remind people. Um, I wish to either encourage people who are nerdy to try to maybe activate and maybe make them think about political or philosophical things a little bit more intensively. And in the other side, maybe talk about um, political or philosophical things using the tools of the sandbox that was created by comics or Whedon or um, Disney movies or anything like that. Now, what that broaches is a subject that I am um, one of the things I'm more cautious about in this endeavor. And that is um, that I don't want people to think that I am making light of the serious topics that we are going to broach in this uh, podcast. We are going to talk about race as through the lens of, I don't know, 
the Smurfs. We're going to go ahead and talk about gender as through the lens of the Whedon universe. Uh, not to pick on him, uh, as I have already so much so far, but um, this is going to be a dumb podcast, and that's the intent. This is going to be a fun podcast. That is my intent. Hopefully it will uh, shine through. Um, but as somebody who's known you, Richard, for a very long time at this point, mm-hmm. it's not going to be as dumb as you're going to say, because there's going to be a lot of good conversation to it. I believe the point so. Of it, the point of it is... I hope so. And it's it's what you definitely have been looking for, is that yeah. I know that your plan is to have it be good conversation about serious things, but just not letting it be too heavy. Yes. Because we need to talk about the heavy, but also understand the light parts of it. Yeah. And kind of bring it all together. Well, you know, um, I am extremely online. I'm on Twitter. I'm probably going to be linking this podcast episode on Twitter to see if anybody wants to listen to it. And so a whole bunch of people who are in the circles that I travel in are going to be like, ooh, um, another leftist podcast. And this is going to be one that is not going to pass muster for uh, a significant threshold when it comes to uh, theory. I am uh, not a Marxist scholar. Uh, I uh, have gone to school for a decent amount of time, but it was not for political science. It was not for economics. It was not for anything um, political. Um, I am a leftist. That is how I'm going to go ahead and describe myself because, you know what, there's a whole bunch of branches of things that I don't know. I do not know what a syndicalist is. I do not necessarily know the uh, lived-in definition of anarchy. Uh, I uh, consider a bunch of anarchists to be my comrades, and uh, someday I will surely do some more research on their uh, theory. I'm not a Marxist theorist. I'm going to disappoint you if you think you're you're coming to this for that. Uh, But I just know a lot more about X-Men than I do about Marxism, and I'm hoping that uh, fun conversations can be had about both by uh, (laughs) talking about it. I I don't know. My opinion on that is, uh, I'll go with the simple version. The simple version is, if you're hung up on what your titles are in those, you're failing. It's all about principles. If you're going to talk about the principles, you're going to talk about the ideals, then you can keep having a conversation, you can connect it to whatever you want. Yeah. If you're hung up on, but it's this type, and it's this type, it's never going to end well. So why bother? Just talk about the ideals, talk about what's right, talk about what you like, talk about what you care about. Yeah. Talk about people, talk about caring for those people. You'll be all right. And that's ultimately what Hold No Heroes is about. It's about principles. It is about um, uh, being able to analyze uh, what, is you, what it is you see value in this character, in this property, in this, that, or the other, even politician. Many of the people who will re, uh, listen to this will know that I'm uh, big in the tank for Bernie. Um, and this goes doubly for him. Uh, Bernie Sanders is a fantastic presidential candidate. I hope he wins in 2020. I hope he's the nominee in summer of 2020. But um, my principles do not live or die by um, Bernard Sanders. Um, It is about the things that he extols. It is about the things that he's fighting for. And the movement needs to exist beyond Bernie Sanders. Well, and it's not saying that every... And I, I know, because, again, I know you personally. Yeah. You're not saying that everything that he stands for is perfect. You're exactly. not saying that everything is good about him. Exactly. You're saying that the things that he stands for that you think are important are valuable enough that you want to support. Yeah. And that's the big thing. You're not talking about... I mean, the entire point, Hold No Heroes, 
It's you don't look at someone and say, no, no, they're perfect. Yeah. Just because you agree with them in a lot of ways, you need to look at it deeper than that. You need to go, oh, these are the things that are positive. These mm-hmm. are the things that I agree with, the things that matter. Yeah. These are the things that I don't. And that's both for the, the fandom things as well as the real-life political things. If you're looking at a politician and you think they're perfect, look again. Yes. I don't care what side you're on. Left, right, middle, up, down, whatever. If you're looking at someone and you see no issues, the issue is within you. You need to look again. Exactly. And the same with characters within your fandoms. If you're a comic book fan and you look at a character and you're like, oh, they're clearly perfect. It's either not a very good character yeah. or you're just not reading very much definitely about possible given um, the writing of some characters here or there. It's true. There are certainly moments where it's like, oh, look, Superman being perfect again. Yeah. Super interesting. But that's not really what you're going for. Mm-hmm. If you've got a little bit of depth to the character, just like if there's depth to a human, there's going to be a little bit of both. And you can't just assume it's going to be the best or the worst. Yeah. There's always going to be some gray area. And I know for me, your phrase, hold no heroes, that's really what it's about. Yeah. It's about going, don't assume because you appreciate this person or connect to this person that they must be perfect. Yeah. No one is perfect. You can't expect that. You can't assume that. Don't expect perfection, because when you do, you're going to be let down. Yes. So look at the positives, separate it from the negatives, because one of the best things about that for me is that if you don't put them as this pedestal up, they're so perfect, Mm -hmm. then you can look at the positive things they've done, and even if negative things come out, you can go, this is terrible, Yeah. but the principles over here are good, so let's get rid of the person who's terrible and go, no, they were terrible because of this, but the ideal can survive without them. Like the very fact that we have a contingent of Democrats of a certain age that basically refuse to criticize their own party because of uh, basically the entire 90s is wrapped up in and hung around the neck of Bill Clinton, and he cannot be touched. You can't talk about him without angering these people because Bill Clinton... Uh, one in a time where you basically had to be conservative in order to win. That's the way they conceive of it. Never mind the fact that the man has basically raped his way from Arkansas to Washington, D.C. to the West Coast. Allegedly. I mean, he is on the flight logs. Um, that That is indisputable. Uh, a lot of the time, too. Like, he's he's on a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, as somebody who was alive and remembers when he was the president... yeah. Does that really surprise anyone? Eh, I don't think it really does. I don't think I've so. heard enough stories before he was president of some of the kept quiet things that he did yeah. that nothing really surprises me, yeah. and it shouldn't surprise anyone else. And either. that's the thing. Your democratic principles, uh, small d democratic principles, should not be hung around the neck uh, and should not be uh, contingent on how much some Arkansas asshole can keep his dick in his pants. Which is not much in that particular case. Yeah, if you did... You are in, you're up shit's creek without a paddle. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing I've discovered with a whole bunch of older Democrats. People who basically swallowed it and think, well, you know, we, we had to be bad in order to win. Uh, essentially, that's what they were saying. That's the most depressing thing I'm going to hear today. <laughs> but not inaccurate. Give it time. <laughs> well, that's fair. I don't know. For me, it's, it's always one of those things. Anytime you're dealing with politics, and it's something that I have felt since I was a child. When it comes to politics, if you are just for this is the side that I'm on, this is my political party, and you don't care about anything beyond following those party lines, Mm -hmm. you failed. You have failed this country, you have failed the ideals that we are not doing that well of holding up. But you have to go by 
individual situations. You have yeah. to go by the individual people. You have to look at the situations. If you just go party lines, it's a terrible, terrible life. And even the broken clock of Donald fucking Trump can be right twice a day. I know, but can we just point out how weird it is? And I'm sure this was horribly difficult for you to say eh. that you okay fair enough live by principles still, i don't mind to, i don't mind pointing out when he is right it happens once so in a blue rarely. moon <laughs> once in a blue moon he's not a dove and this is the thing a whole bunch of like leftists sometimes like break their like legs trying to like uh position themselves into it's like no actually he's a dove he, he he's actually the anti-war candidate whereas hillary like don't get me wrong hillary was a blood-soaked maniac and she would have started probably eight more wars if she were president i'm really glad she's not the one making those decisions but the thing is the only reason we haven't started any more wars is because donald trump doesn't have the attention span or else we would have already invaded venezuela and north korea and syria and all those fucking uh uh, places but the only reason we haven't started any new wars is because he just doesn't have the attention span and that's it that's the only reason he's not well, a principled he's, person no, no. let's be clear it's, he's not anti-war look we're just all very happy that you can't start a war on twitter that's really what it boils down to yeah actual physical war does not get started on twitter thank god if it did we would be in 30 new wars yeah but thankfully we're not so we can all just praise that fact and be happy with the concept that at least he didn't start 30 wars because twitter is a thing yeah but that 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 just gets to my point it's about principles man that's it use the people that you think highly of ask uh hold no heroes asks you to think about why do you hold them in such high esteem and uh you need to be able to and i i, I hope that i can encourage listeners to go ahead and live by this principle that I, I'm about to espouse, which is as soon as they stop living up to those principles, you stop supporting them. You know, when we really fuck up is when we go ahead and pick a side and we're embarrassed to go ahead and abandon it. No, that makes sense. You gotta, you, if you're about the principle and you're about what really matters, then when it's good, you're for it. When it turns bad, you're going to be able to separate. Well, even just thinking about things in terms of a binary both sides, I want to like encourage people to think outside of because what politicians benefit from doing is saying that, well, you're either with me or against me. There are only two sides to this. Um, Bush did it when it came to the war on terror. Obama did it when it came to his droning of the Middle East. You know, you are either with me or you're against me. um, They benefit from doing that thing. And the thing is that there are more than two answers to any question. There is not a pro and anti this. Sometimes the question is a little bit more involved than that. Yeah, but putting us against them is always the easiest way to keep everybody separated so nobody gets on the same page. And Lord knows I've used that tactic as well. When I'm arguing with somebody, I've said, it's like, look, you either have to contend this or that. Now, that is me breaking it, hopefully, into the simplest terms. But sometimes, yeah, I'm doing it disingenuously and I'm trying to win an argument. Uh, I will uh, try not to do that too often. Yeah, but nobody's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Hold me up by the principles that you share with me and uh, ditch me when I don't. Yeah, hold no heroes. Hold no that heroes. includes you, Richard Doom. Yeah, you know, I hope that people who listen to this, uh, I, fi- I hope they find it educational. I hope they find it interesting. I hope they find it... Um, rewarding in some cases you know this is going to be really niche when it's going to come to uh nerds and political nerds uh this is a a venn diagram that i don't know how big the audience is uh very well just might be my friends and it might not even be a lot of them but it might just be the two of us uh, but that's okay i think i think i think the people who i get on uh different episodes i think they might listen to the episodes they're on that's fair or they'll listen to the other episodes to see kind of what they're getting themselves into yeah 
That could so, be fun. So here's an interesting thing. Okay. I feel like we've been talking for a little while, um, and when we first started talking, you were talking about the principles of Hold No Heroes and kind of where you're going from that. Mm-hmm. But though we were talking about nerdy stuff and that it's going to be a little bit of both, yeah. we have clearly, which is not that uncommon in the world, gone a little deeper into the political, the more serious side of things. Yes. So the question is, for me, this is not my podcast, but the question is... Mm-hmm. How do you bring something that is that serious and the things that we are talking about which matter to us as individuals and us as a people and us as a people in the world, yeah. how do we bring that into something that is nerdy or fun or in some way a fandom, comic, whatever it is? How do you bring those two ideas together in a way where we are having this serious conversation and talking about whole no heroes but also going, well, but here's the nerdy side of things or here's the this side of things? Yeah, Um it's a very good question, and sometimes it's going to be uh, laborious. Sometimes I'm sure that I'm going to be grasping at straws when I say, you know what, let's talk about Israel-Palestine using Magneto and Xavier's relationship. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'm sure we're going to go ahead and uh, have a good time when we talk about environmentalism as through the lens of Poison Ivy, uh, the Batman villain. Ooh, that's a dark but fun one okay. i you know I, i'm absolutely thinking about doing an episode that uh poison ivy was right uh poison ivy is the hero <laughs> i mean particularly right now that's not the most difficult thing to go with yeah if there was a poison ivy in this world i would uh support her uh, i mean we'd have a lot I'd less a burning forests yeah oh man i would support her in every way that i could at this point i'm like ah, oh, you know uh it's, it's kind of looking like your way is the only way that's gonna work poison ivy but as far as how am i going to bridge that gap i don't believe it's a gap more often than not i believe a lot of the things that we are going to talk about yes sometimes i'm going to have to stretch and i think that's going to be part of the fun is uh when we um are going to have to uh stretch out uh those muscles that uh, connect those two pieces together but i think more often than not the art forms that i've at least mentioned already like i said nothing exists in a vacuum i mentioned disney earlier well disney was a propaganda outfit during the war uh disney has also basically crafted our copyright laws uh, Disney is also basically a monopoly and is uh, deeply involved in the local politics of um, Anaheim here in Southern California. I don't have to think very hard in order to get these things to reach into the public realm because they already are there. That is my answer to your question, which is how am I going to connect these things? They connect more often than we realize. Uh, it's just my brain is specifically wired in these two realms that I see the connections and hopefully I can um, connect them for uh our listeners more often than not sometimes it's gonna be like ah i think you stretched there i think that was a little bit of bullshit richard and uh they're gonna be right um sometimes i'm gonna be like you know what i wanted to do an episode this week and i don't have any good ideas we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about boomerang and immigration oh god yeah yeah let's not today that's a that's a whole other deep connection there yeah well australian immigration which is something that should just be canceled altogether they those people should not be let in this country whoa i know it took a turn right wow took a real turn yeah we're going somewhere new yeah that's okay because i find it interesting as you were talking about cats in america i couldn't help but have my nerdy mind wander a little bit um and it actually made me think of a different nerdy comic thing in a whole different genre which is it made me think of Superman versus Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting just the connections you can make. Because with those, that is two people who are fundamentally trying to save the world in very different ways. Arguably. Uh, well, I mean, that's... If you 
I mean, if they were Taking actual characters, if you could value. ask them, yeah. that is what they are trying to do. Yeah. Granted, one of them is trying to do it in a way that we see as the readers fundamentally evil and one of them fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. But on paper, they are both trying to do what they think is right. Yeah. Just one of them is flawed and, you know, slightly crazy. But that's very real to life, so mm. there you go. Yeah. But, you know, the... Uh, in the uh, spirit of Hold No Heroes, it is about principles. But when it comes to the valorization, or even the, um, the vindication of heroes, it is uh, important that we look at not just their words, but their actions. Um, which is, uh, I'm going to, I think maybe the next episode we do, or something, will be about um, politicians and words versus actions. Uh, but Hold No Heroes has to be about not just what you say, but what you do. Everybody can talk a good game. Not everybody, but most people try to talk a good game. Only so many people can do. Tony Stark. Tony Stark talks a big game. He's talked about revolutionizing the energy industry, uh, the movie version of him. He very easily could have done that in a fucking week. He could have just dropped arc reactors in villages. Everywhere. He had the money. He had the means. He could have done it. And he had found a way to do it with almost no actual cost because everything that everything that he did when he was in the cave. that little cave, he could have done that same amount. Mm-hmm. And that arc reactor, though it wouldn't work to power a suit forever, would have powered a village for eternity. Yeah. And he could have done it at almost no cost to himself. Yep. You know, um, uh, words versus actions. Is Tony Stark still a hero? In many regards, yes. And the uh, part of that also is the, um, I don't know, not the failure, but the limitations of comic book lore, which is that um, the story must go on. The uh, nothing ever really changes. Things do change very rarely, but when it comes to worldwide things, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, T'Challa, Hank Pym, any one of these guys could basically make Earth a utopia in a weekend with uh, their expertise, their knowledge, and their resources, but none of them have because the story must go on. The world must be flawed and continued in order to maintain the... Comic books can't continue if everything becomes good, and then all they would be doing was, oh, some event has happened, and they would have to solve that event, whereas how it is now, it is the world also has issues that they're constantly trying to fight against. I mean, how many of the bad guys do the vast majority of Marvel superheroes, how many of them are just people who don't have money that are trying to get money. I mean, it's pretty much that or they're mad scientists. Those are pretty much your two simple versions. Even a big chunk of them are just like, I need money to fund my research. These assholes could get funded by Tony Stark initiative like tomorrow. He could go ahead and just hire Dr. Connors, Dr. Octavius, Vulture, and all these guys and fund your research. Good lord. Half of them wouldn't be insane. And the ones that are insane wouldn't be nearly as much of an issue. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, how many supervillains did Tony Stark prevent in Civil War when he went ahead and funded all those MIT uh, grads? Oh my god, that is a depressing but fantastic thought. How many? How many scientific accidents in the MCU universe, which those things happen like in creating supervillains basically every weekend every day yeah um how many supervillains did he go ahead and say from like i have to impress the board or i won't get funding that's basically the conflict within the spider-man game we both just finished is dr octavius is just put to more and more desperate ends i mean because he won't get funding i mean that is the 
that is the crux of every single or 90% of the Spider-Man villains in general. Yeah. It's, I'm a scientist and something went wrong because I couldn't, I didn't have the money to continue. I cut corners, I had, I had to, uh, I had to hurry, I had to test on myself. I had to test on myself because I couldn't find the funding to do what I needed to get volunteers and to get rats, everything. All that idiot needed was a few more dozen rats to just test on and he'd be fine. But no, he had to test on himself. Yeah, and then that's how the lizard came about. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Capitalism creates supervillains. Damn it. Yep. Well, you know, uh, yeah, the, the bad guy in almost all the Iron Man movies were capitalists. I oh, mean, like, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, at least the main the main issues. Well, arms dealers. I mean, for, more or less, yeah. Just mad about Tony making better arms than them, honestly. Yeah, and then you've got Whiplash, who was a villain for about 30 seconds, so that's yeah. mostly a non-issue. Yeah, and he was just mad because his dad got him deported, which, you know, the reason why he had a shitty upbringing, capitalism, my friend. I just thought it was because sometimes assholes are assholes. Well, there's that, definitely. But assholes should be able to be assholes without turning into supervillains. I mean, unless you're dealing with Tony Stark. If you're an asshole and you're dealing with Tony Stark, the odds are in favor at some point you're going to become a supervillain or in some way cause a problem. That's... I think that's the plot of the latest Spider-Man film, actually. Yeah, yeah. You're an asshole, you deal with Tony Stark, and then you become a bigger asshole, and you try to be a supervillain. Well, that was a good movie. It was. I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. I felt like it was a regression on Tony Stark's character, even though he's dead. (laughs) Gonna stop making uh, weapons. Oh, I made a satellite with billions of killer drones, and I gave it to a 16-year-old kid. To control. Yeah, what they, the fuck, Tony? I, I do feel like they... Why don't give it to your four-year-old daughter? What? What? That's only <laughs> slightly worse of a decision. Hey, hey, hey. She's five. Um, yeah. I do feel like that was a little bit of a... Uh, I don't want to say a cop-out, but there was definitely a little bit of a like, well, we really need this story to progress, so let's not worry about that other part. Yeah. <laughs> I think they really needed to tie it to Tony Stark as him being yeah. like the next Tony Stark. That's the best way they came up with it. Yeah, which was, felt like a huge regression on his character. Yeah, but I mean, his character in the movies were... It was always a little wonky. Mm. There was always some issues they were going to have. True. They were trying very hard to get him to the... Well, let's say this. They were trying very hard to make him the person who sacrifices everything. Yeah. They made sure to go back and forth quite a bit, but they made sure that he was always... Touching on being the one who's going to sacrifice his life for everyone else. Yeah. They never let that go, and they went hard. Tony is... Um, he's always open to new... I mean, ever since... That is what fundamentally changed about his character. It's not necessarily that his principles changed. It's that he had his eyes open to, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm not looking at things right. And so, every movie basically shows him interacting with new stimuli and laying, and coming to a new conclusion so after iron man he's like oh my god i am making i am a merchant of death uh, i'm gonna stop it and iron man 2 is um what happened in iron man 2 it is uh maybe my dad wasn't um <laughs> the best maybe he made some bad decisions uh maybe he didn't think i was nothing i think i think it was more like father issues stuff like that iron man 3 it's the, the entire movie was literally about, oh, I fucked this up. Yeah. Oh, there was terrible things that happened. How do I come back from this? Yeah. Uh, yes. Basically the creation of uh, Killian and uh, his ex coming back. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It is uh, Tony constantly basically coming to terms with his mistakes and trying to uh, introduce... Civil War is the best example of this. You know, um, when he's just like, when I realized that I was making arms... 
uh, that were getting into bad guys' hands, I shut it down. And Cap's answer was really good. It was like, but you made that decision. That was your decision to make, and you did it. It's like you were removing other people's choice. I plan to do an episode on Civil War, and I think that'll be a really good one. Because Civil the, War is, both in the comics and in the film, it's there's layers to discuss. Yes. And uh, most of those layers are fuck Tony Stark. But we'll ignore <laughs> that part, because there's there are still layers to discuss. Yes. I want to reinvigorate the left-wing ideology that was founded in a lot of this art. Um, Star Trek, comic books, good chunk of popular TV shows. I mean, even uh, Game of Thrones. Um, George R. R. Martin has said a whole bunch about how, you know, it, it is... Um, the reason why his lore is different than a whole bunch of other fantasy lore is because it's about the people. It's not about dragons and magic and talking trees or anything like that. Yeah. It is about politics and politics ultimately is about who lives who dies who gets medicine who gets food that is what politics is about and those are ideas that get explored in the harmless environment of fiction it's true and that was uh for that particular series i know when the books were first coming out even before the show i had friends who were reading it and it was a very interesting pull because it was all about politics yeah it was all about how things are impacted and that made it a little different than what most people were reading yeah and then eventually watching so it was definitely an interesting turn away from high fantasy where everything is about magic and wizards and and supernatural beings and da, da, da. And George R. R. Martin is basically Howard's Inn. It's the people's history. It's the people's history of Westeros. You know, instead of um, history being about the stories of great people, it's about the stories of people. The stories of, um, you know, even Cersei Lannister and um, uh, Ned Stark and uh, Robert Baratheon all had to consider what they, not only what they wanted, but what they could get away with when it came to the people. Um, you know, um, they have to inspire the people. They have to encourage the people. They have to prevent them from rioting up uh, in uh, fervor. You know, it's, uh, that is, you know, that is one way I don't like politics being looked at as a way of basically codifying the, the stupid masses. Uh, and it's a way I don't like the way people talk about politics now. But it's closer to the truth than the idea of great men leading us to uh, high ideals. But yeah, exactly. I think that that last point is really important. It's There's a certain amount of this is what happens when regular humans, regular people, mm -hmm. are put into circumstances that are sort of terrible and have a lot of stuff going on. It's not just about what you do when you're the great person who's involved in the great moment. It's the person who's the normal person who's dealing with extraordinary circumstances or even just difficult circumstances and how they interact, how they impact the world. Mm -hmm. And with something like Game of Thrones, I think that's one of the things that is impactful and kind of works with it, yeah. is that you see, yeah, you see the people who have the power and how they interact, but you also see the people who don't have power and how they interact and how they participate in the world and what they can do and what they can accomplish. Because mm -hmm. politics think, is not... It, you know, it's funny that politics is involved in a show that did not have a democracy. We think of politics as just a synonym for democracy. You vote every four years, every two years. Um, and, you know, you've done your part in politics. But no, like I said, politics is about who lives, who dies, who can afford medicine, who can get a job, who gets a mandatory minimum, and who gets off scot-free. It's true. Politics is about essentially the circumstances of those great people or normal people. 
It is who gets the circumstances to thrive, who gets the weight of the world thrown on their shoulders. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Mm -hmm. It's all about Hamilton. Wait, what have we done? Wrong rabbit hole, sorry. (laughs) I should probably do an episode on Hamilton. Everybody I know has shit on it a whole bunch, but I've never actually uh, watched it. It's one of those things, if you're looking at Hamilton, a musical about the Founding Fathers, and your thought is... This is going to be exactly historically accurate. I'm sorry, but that's your fault. It's it's a musical about the Founding Fathers. But much like how I said nothing exists in a vacuum, it's interesting what parts they decided to leave out and change altogether. This is true. And with that, we have reached the end of the first episode of Whole No Heroes. Ken, thank you very much for joining me on this uh, maiden voyage. No, it was a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think it's got a lot of potential. I'm really curious to see how it's all going to play out. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Just want to remind everybody, this is Richard Doom's podcast, Hold No Heroes, and I'm <laughs> Ken Culver, coming in as a guest for the first time. Yeah, but Lord knows that uh, Ken and I have talked about this for a very long time. But we're doing it now. We're here. We're finally here, Ken. Yeah, and I'm glad to help. Glad yeah. Glad to be a part of it. I couldn't have done it without you. Certainly this time. Ken... Thank you very much for being my very first guest. Definitely a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's Hold No Heroes, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. This is Richard Doom for Hold No Heroes. Thank you for tuning in. Here at the end of the episode, we like to do our corrections and editor's notes for the previous week's episode. This week, I would like to make an apology. It appears as though the hippogriff Buckbeak was not, in fact, executed. That was a false report from the original timeline I have received word that the timeline has since been changed, and the Hippogriff Buckbeak is at large. Thank you very much. For, oh, I'm getting a new report. It appears as though in the Harry Potter universe, timelines do not diverge. They are all one single timeline. The original report was from unreliable magical teenagers. My apologies. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>